Hello and welcome to another episode of The Football Story. Today we are talking about fan culture once again. And we're joined by our uh, friend of the podcast, uh, Ross Anderson. Ross, how are you today, mate? Very well, very well. Pleasure, pleasure to be on. Like, I can't believe I'm following up all these international footballers, but (laughs) yeah, Yeah. good to be well, we had to have some of the, the, the best fans in the world as well as some of the best players. So, um, obviously, we've gotten you on. Um, uh, you did come to Melbourne for six months um, and we got to meet you and, and go to some games with you. Um, so, you are well known around the traps for being a, um, uh, an obscenely obsessed football fan. Um, tell us a bit about how you got into to loving football and and. Um, what it was like, I don't know, for you growing up? Yeah, I mean, it was kind of like as long as I've known, like I've not, as long as early as I've remembered, like football's been a massive part of my life. Um, and it made, it really came from my dad. Like my dad was was like me. Um, and then I think, you know, when he had a boy, he was just, he just like couldn't wait to to, to pass that on. Like, you know, it was like brainwashing that, <laughs> like the North Koreans would be proud of, man. It was like full blown. Like I'd have my nappy changed, and it, you know he's singing Dundee songs to me. So, like I never knew any different. Like I, it was just football, football, football from from the very start. And uh, yeah, like playing and watching. So like went to my first Dundee game when I was three, um, just like early nineteen ninety eight, and then yeah, that just was hooked from the from the very start. Sounds like, um, yeah, you've, you've loved the game from a young age. So, obviously, as the people listening can tell, you have the uh, Scottish accent. So, tell us about your love for Dundee. Yeah, so, so like I said, I mean, that, that came from Dad. Like, I was actually brought up in Edinburgh, so not Dundee, like, surrounded by Hearts fans and, and Hibs fans mainly. Um, but Dad was a Dundee fan, so that was – I had no choice in that. <laughs> it was – you love Dundee and you hate Dundee United. And that was like the way, the way it goes. Um, like I said, went to my first game when I was three, uh, Dunfermline away in 1998. Um, and then kind of for those, like the next five years until I moved to Singapore, like it was uh, like pretty much going to tons of games with dad. Um, and then had a break for like 10 years, like being, being in Asia pretty much, like just going back home in summers. Um, eventually though I moved back to Scotland when I was 18 to go to university and that was when like I got my first season ticket and uh, you know started going home and away every week basically So obviously Dundee is not one of the big kind of two clubs in Scotland um, currently relishing in the championship unfortunately Um, what's kind of your your best memories from supporting a club like Dundee clearly not being um, a club that is always chasing titles. Um, what's it like supporting a club that is kind of, you know, not one of the, the dominant powers? Yeah, it's it's a strange one. Like, it's especially difficult to, it's actually quite difficult to describe, like, especially to, uh, I found, like, living in North America now, like, to North American sports fans where, like, you're rewarded for finishing, like, lower in the table um, through draft picks and so on, like, it's quite hard to explain to someone why or like why you support a team that basically never has any chance of, of winning anything. Um, but it's just something that, I mean, 
like you guys probably know yourselves, like it, it's something that's ingrained in you. Um, and in terms of best memories, like there's probably two specific memories that stand out with Dundee. Um, one was just like what was winning promotion back in 2014. Uh, we got promoted on the last day of the season. Um, basically, we were two points ahead of Hamilton going into the last day. Uh, so we basically, we thought we only, and we were miles ahead on goal difference. We were eight clear on goal difference. Um, we thought we only needed a point to go up. And then, so we're winning 2-1 in the second half and like obviously checking your phone and the goals keep coming through at Hamilton. Basically, they end up 10-2 up over Greenock Morton. And we're like hanging on for dear life. Um, end up like our goalie makes a worldie of a save in like stoppage time. And uh, we, we go up, we, the final whistle goes like massive pitch invasion and everything. Um, that was definitely one. And then the other was we relegated our arch rivals Dundee United with like a last minute goal in 2016. Um, which was literally like, I've never experienced that feeling in any other walk of life. Like it was incredible, but like pretty much like in my life, like Dundee United have been the, the dominant team of, of the two Dundee clubs and to, to kind of end like 20 years of, of hurt with a, a last minute winner to send them, get them relegated was like unreal. So yeah. can you just like touch on the, Derby kind of just for a little bit um am I correcting saying the Dundee and Dundee United have the two closest um home grounds in in I think Europe is that a it's, it's either like definitely the UK um may, might be Europe um, yeah the rivalry yeah it's it's funny because like a lot of the uh like Scottish clubs obviously Celtic Rangers and stuff like it's it's based so much on religion and, and um, it kind of runs so much deeper than football. Like it's a, a real cultural thing. Like Dundee's only a city of 150,000 people roughly. So it's a small city. Like everyone, everyone's families like are tend to be like half Dundee United, half Dundee. So it's not, um, there's not like areas of the city where it's Dundee and areas where it's Dundee United or anything, but Definitely, like, and it, like, even if you go back to the sort of hooligan days uh, of like the seventies and eighties and stuff, the Dundee clubs actually fought together as like one firm, which was pretty rare. Like for arch rivals, basically like teaming up to compete with like the big clubs. Um, but you know, like, it's still a real hatred, and especially like on match day, it it probably has similarities to like Everton Liverpool in that it's there's a, a friendly aspect to it off the field, like in terms of there's no violence or anything. Um, but, you know, they're, <laughs> they're the club I hate the most and definitely they occupy, the like both clubs occupy the minds of the opposition fans like a lot of the time. And almost your success in a, in a league where you can't win, basically, because like Settler and Rangers have won every title for 30 plus years. Like your success is often relative to how your neighbours are doing. It's like, are we better than Dundee United? Are we better than Dundee? Yeah, obviously sounds like um, there's heaps of pride and passion there with Dundee. So speaking of teams who don't win a whole lot of trophies, how did you develop your love for Spurs? Uh, <laughs> well, that was, <laughs> that was partly why I think I ended up supporting them. Like, I didn't, I, when I, so I, basically, I moved to Singapore when I was eight and 
you couldn't watch like again Dundee were in the championship at that time there was no such thing as live streams in 2003 so there was literally no way to watch like your team whereas you have the English Premier League on like 24-7 and uh, so supporting an English club was like a, a must um, and yeah I, I never like was attracted really to the the big sort of at the time it was kind of that top four you're like Man U, Arsenal, Chelsea, Liverpool and I just re- had no interest in supporting one of those teams um, and then going like Dundee and Spurs have some historical links like we've Alan Gilzean's like a legend at both clubs. He's like Dundee's best ever player. Um, yeah, and and so I I just fancied them. Like I, all my dad's mates used to like give me like the shirts of their teams to try and like convince me to support them. Um, but for some reason, like I just landed on Spurs, and like I kind of knew straight away that that was, you know, it just there was a different feeling there, and and that was it. That was the rest is history, I suppose. Yeah. You clearly haven't picked like the most successful clubs um, in either league. Um, I don't know. I guess the Spurs won the League Cup back in about 2009 or something. Might be their last trophy. Yeah, that's the only trophy in my... Like I started supporting them in 2005. So yeah, I've seen that's that one League Cup. But yeah. yeah. And have Dundee won a trophy since you've started following them? No. We've, uh, we've been to one... Like I was at the Scottish Cup final in 2003. Uh, yeah, we Rangers one nil. Like that's one. It's one of those things. Like even though I was only eight, like you kind of I think about it all the time. I'm like, we could have, we should have won that day. Yeah, uh, but no, like Dundee haven't won anything since 1973. So it's right. Even okay. it's bit of a drought. Win a trophy. Yeah. So um, tell us a bit about um, where you're living now um, and, and what the football is is like there. Yeah, so I'm in Toronto now, uh, in Canada. So to be honest, like the MLS, like I rate it, like I think it's a really like underrated league, um, especially like the standard at least. Like I think it's tough to, you can't really compare the atmosphere to most of like Europe or South America. Um, but for me, the standard's really good, like been really impressed and especially as someone who'd like been a Dundee season ticket holder and followed Scottish football home and away. Like I'm not a football snob by any means. And I don't, I don't need to watch like English football or something like that to, to get my, my fix. Um, yeah, I really like it. Like, and, and to be fair, the, the fan culture in Toronto is pretty good. Like they're, I'd say compared to, to most of the clubs in the U S like they're, they're, for one they get more fans and I'd say they're probably closer to the sort of European style as well slightly less cringy <laughs> than some of the the stuff you get in the US but over, overall really impressed and also like I'm just a big fan of like I've always liked the MLS and the A-League as well because like I, I like seeing football do well in in like developing markets like with this big potential so kind of always rooting for the sport in in the US and Canada, Australia, yeah. Yeah, for sure, the MLS is something, um, even I, you know, I watched a few games here and there, whereas a few years ago, I I wouldn't have even gone close to watching it. Um, So what bits of fan culture do you love the most? Because clearly um, you've gone around the world, you've traveled, you've gone to lots of games. So what do you love the most about fan culture? Yeah, it's a good question. Like, 
I think for me, like, you know, you read stories like there was a bloke, um, his name's like Dave Burnley and like, cause of COVID, he's just like missed his first Burnley game in 46 years. And like, for me, like <laughs> the idea of like going to games every week, like, I think that's huge. Like, I, and you get it in a lot in a city like Toronto as well, where people look down on like MLS um, and will just support like your English clubs or Real Barca or whatever. And they, they talk down about MLS, but for me, like supporting local football is like a massive thing. And I have huge respect for anyone who like goes to games, especially away games. Uh, I know it's tough for you guys, like in a massive country like Australia, as it is here. Um, but yeah, that's for me, like the, my favorite part of fan culture is like the, the, the guys who are going like every week. Yeah, big absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and kind of that kind of relates well to like, um, Australian football. I think there are kind of a lot of people in Australia who look down on the A-League, um, watch the Premier League at kind of all hours of the night, but you know, aren't willing to go down to their local kind of A-League club. So I guess what was your experience like um, in Melbourne and with like um, football in Australia? Yeah, like I, even before I went there, like I had a bit of connection to the A-League because like we'd go on holiday to Australia loads and um, especially like my dad and brother as well who are massive football fans, like they really got into watching Victory. Um, so from sort of probably 20 like 10-ish was maybe the first time like we went to an A-League game. It was actually like Perth Glory, um, like when like Robbie Fowler was playing for them. Um, so, but yeah, like I, like I said, like I love like the sport doing well in, in countries like Australia, like always been a fan of it. And living in Singapore as well, like the timing was really good. So you'd have A-League games on, like you could come home from school and on like a Friday and there'd be games at like 4 p.m., the Saturdays as well, you got games through the day, whereas your big English games, like quite often you're staying up till like 3 a.m. to watch them. So the A-League was always very like accessible. So yeah, big fan of it. Big fan of the league, like love the fan culture. I know there's obviously been like a bit of a struggle there, maybe like especially the victory and stuff like in recent years with what you can and can't do and everything. But yeah, like, and, and, I just like I've huge respect for any like guys who are going like yourselves to teams like Victory every week in a country where you're such a minority sport like really like even though obviously loads of people play it like the majority of the viewership is with AFL and rugby league and so on. Yeah, for sure. The last few years, uh, even when we we won the title in 2018, it just didn't seem like it was a few years before that. So. Um, obviously, you've talked about, you know, being in Asia, staying up to, you know, until 3 a.m. to watch matches. So your dedication to the game is, is pretty unparalleled. Um, can you tell us some of, uh, some of your stories when football has taken priority over everything else? Um, yeah, I mean, it's more like, it's hard to pick out specific examples. Like, I think most of the people around me have got used to the fact that I uh, prioritise football over everything. So... <laughs> They know, like, on a Saturday between this and that time, like, not to not to bother me too much. Um, yeah, I mean, throughout, like, university, the amount of, like, 
you know big like events and stuff that you'd just miss because <laughs> you were away at Dunfermline or Motherwell or some other corner of Scotland like was was untrue um yeah I think there was one maybe that you've heard like where there was it was a sort of high school reunion in Edinburgh but I managed to convince the boys to sneak off to Paisley with me and watch Dundee beat St Mirren so that was that was one good one <laughs> yeah um so moving on to want to talk about um your Instagram account that you've got going um Groundhop Day which we will put up a link to on the uh Instagram um so what was your idea for starting that? Clearly you've been to lots of games. Um, why did you decide to kind of, you know, start an account with all your, all your little photos from all your stadiums? Yeah, yeah, I mean, to be honest, like, I think part of it was I felt I was really boring all the people on my personal Instagram <laughs> with constant, like, football uh, Instagrams. So that was part of it. Um, but also, I don't know, like, it was never something I really wanted to or needed to like publicize or get make big or anything like I, I kind of just wanted it for myself like to have all that stuff in one place like I've always been big on like collecting programs like tickets and like documenting all the matches I've been to uh things like that like every you know after every game I'm straight in the word document and putting in the attendance putting in the goal scorers and all that um, so I've always been a bit of a, a, a football nerd in that in that sense, and yeah, I just thought, why not? Like I've got, I've been to some interesting, interesting places with football, and uh, yeah, I didn't just didn't want to clog up the the personal Insta too much. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And um, I just checked it out before, having gone to two hundred and forty five games, eighty six different stadiums, and and twelve different countries. Um, yeah. Where are some of the weirdest places you've watched football? Yeah, I mean, like, to be fair, I've spent most of my, like, the majority of those games would be in, like, Scotland and, like, Australia, like, Canada. It's not nothing, like, too crazy. You know, I'd love to go to, like, your Eastern European countries and everything and, and watch football. Um, but, you know, there's some, there's definitely some parts of, like, even Scotland that are, <laughs> pretty strange like little towns that have clubs that Dundee have, have come up against in the championship over time um Cowden Beef is one which yeah, <laughs> there is their stadium's called Central Park and it is literally it's probably the furthest thing from like New York Central Park you could ever imagine it's like the biggest dump in the world um that's that that is definitely up there and you, just some of the the sites you see on these like strange strange scottish outposts that have football clubs like scotland has 42 clubs in in the like main league which is just like an insane amount for a country with a population of like five million so inevitably you end up in some very like weird towns and villages um what else like watching football in yankee stadium was pretty weird as well New York City FC like went to New York like City versus Red Bulls Derby in Yankee Stadium, which was so you know, watching football on a baseball ground was definitely a, a weird one as well. And also like in a city which really has like no football culture, like no visual football culture or anything. And like you're even when you're at the game you just it, it feels very uh different. 
yeah, a bit artificial maybe. I mean, um, clearly there are parts of America where the game's growing. Um, they've obviously got the World Cup coming to, to the US and Canada and Mexico 2026. So hopefully that kind of um, builds the game a bit more. I mean, looking towards your kind of... Um, kind of future next couple of years what what what's kind of on the on the planner for the next couple of years in your kind of um football um fandom yeah i mean the like definitely the majority is going to be here in toronto um like i'll, I'll be living here definitely the next few years so the, the plan is to you know continue like i'm not a season ticket holder but i basically go to every game uh i'd love to take off more away grounds around mls which is obviously tough to do because of the distance, but we'd love to do it. Um, also hoping like to do an Argentina trip next year, which would be like amazing. Like I only discovered like last year, how many of the teams like play in the, like Buenos Aires, like, you know, metropolitan area as well in their top division. Like you can do, you could probably do a couple of weeks there and take off like so many grounds and, Obviously, the atmosphere in South America is like something else that I've definitely never experienced. Um, so that's probably going to be the next few years. And then hopefully, you know, just getting back to see Dundee and Tottenham like at any opportunity I can. Yeah, for sure. Um, I know uh, Twiggy was looking forward to going to Argentina this year for the Copper America. So obviously, with that not going ahead, that's pretty disappointing. But definitely, yeah. yeah, it should be on everyone's bucket list uh, for sure. Uh, what else is on your bucket list for the rest of your life? Obviously, you just mentioned Argentina, but is there anything else that, you know, stands out for you? Yeah, I mean, I'd love... There's a lot of the, like, the big sort of Eastern European, like, Greek, Turkish derbies. Like, those are, like, they look just like something else like that you probably don't get anywhere else in world football. Maybe some in South America, but those, like, big scary derbies of like in like Belgrade and Istanbul, Athens, like I'd love to, to go to those. Um, Germany is a massive one as well. Like I've only in Germany, I've only been to Leverkusen. So I'd love to like their stadiums are unreal. Great fans, like good beer, cheap tickets, like it's, it ticks all the boxes. Um, and then probably like, just like the English 92 as well. Like I think I've been to maybe don't know, like probably between like 15 and 20 of the English grounds. Um, but yeah, like I probably have to wait till I retire, but I'd love to do the 92, which is like, yeah, kind of, it's like a, you know, a badge of honor for any so-called ground hopper is to like, you know, take off all the, the English clubs. The kind of 92 is always changing though, isn't it? Like you've kind of got to finish it whilst, know. you know, those bottom three clubs in league two are actually um, still, kind of in the football league exactly that's uh, so it's tricky retirement as i said retirement yeah. is going to be a year spent just <laughs> doing this yeah <laughs> um, so we are we are gonna wrap it up um so kind of maybe one last question for you i guess what 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 do you reckon like football has given you um in, in your life like what what to you does it mean to be a, a football fan yeah i mean it's it's quite hard to articulate. Like I'm sure you guys feel the same. Like it's, it's kind of like a way of life. Um, you know, you can, there's so many things in your life that, uh, change, like, you know, you change jobs, you change your whole path, like you might move country. Um, but 
like football and your football clubs, like the ones you support, like they're going to be with you for life. Like there's no, there's no question. Um, I think like you even kind of map out your life around football. Like you think back, like at least for me, like when I think of like memories, like summer 06 or like, you know, that's world cup 2006. And then you, you kind of work back like that. Um, and I think also just even like the feeling of, uh, like the whole match day experience, like with your family or friends who are like your best friends who are football fans, like those are really like powerful moments. And I think like the highs and lows of football, you just, you, you can't find that outside of football for me, like at least, um, definitely, you know, some of the, the, feelings like you felt with in, like in those environments, like in stadiums and stuff, like you can't, you can't hit that in any other walk of life. So it's, it's pretty, uh, it's definitely unique. And um, like I said, something that will just be with you for, for good. Yeah, for sure. It's uh, very hard to replicate. Like I wouldn't have known Twiggy if it wasn't for, you know, meeting him at Melbourne victory and, right. you know, formed so many great friendships and, and memories. We talk about it all the time. So yeah, um, let's hope to uh, maybe we can come to Canada one day and, and watch a, a Toronto game or, or yeah. something, you know, tick that off the bucket list. But, Anytime. Anytime. yeah. <laughs> thank you so much for um, giving us some of your time. Um, it's been awesome to, to hear some of the stories, um, some of the things on your bucket list, um, all that, you know, growing up um, in Scotland, in Asia. It's, it's been awesome to listen to your story. So we thank you uh, from Twig and I. And um, we hope you've um, enjoyed listening to this episode of The Football Story. Thanks, guys. Yeah. Yeah, Thanks, thank mate. you.